Welcome to the First Church Podcast, a resource of First Church of God in Columbia City, Indiana. Our goal is to provide you with tools that you can use to help you in your new or growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm Jordan Chapel, the middle school pastor here at First Church. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the book of Leviticus. And uh, before you turn it off, I know that it is one of the more boring books uh, that we've handled to date and one of the most boring books um, that you might look at uh, a lot of people when they try and read through the Bible in a year. Um, This is the point where uh, it really takes the grit and determination at the beginning uh, to get through Leviticus, because honestly, it's it's a, it's a dry book. It's full of a lot of very specific details that were meant for specific people in time. Uh, but it points to something bigger that's really important for us as Jesus followers today, because it points to a hope that God was giving Israel um, more than they could ever know or experience in their state of brokenness and fallenness and wandering in the desert, that, that God, who they were in this covenant with, wasn't willing to give up on them yet. And what we've done uh, for the past couple weeks in Genesis and Exodus is looked a little bit at the whole of the book, but we focused in on a couple of passages specifically and their implications for kind of the whole of the book, but the whole of Scripture as well. And, And because Genesis is on the drier side, I think it would be beneficial for us to not focus in on a passage, but just kind of understand the context as a whole um, and how that can move us forward in our reading of it. And and I'm really thankful for resources like the Bible Project. The Bible Project is is an organization that that seeks to help uh, readers see uh, the Bible as not just 66 individual books, but as an overarching story that's pointing to who God is and how he's wanting to interact with us. And so, A lot of our discussion today is going to be framed around some of the resources that the Bible Project has out, and I would strongly encourage you, especially uh, this year and a half that we're going to be going through Scripture together, to utilize their resources. They have great videos, um, they have great content online, they have a podcast, they've got all sorts of stuff that uh, will just assist you in your engagement with Scripture. Um, It's been one of the most valuable things uh, for me and my personal walk and how I engage with with who God is and what he's wanting to speak to me um, through scripture. And so uh, our conversation is going to be focused around some of their content today. Um, But like I said, Leviticus is one of those books that when you read through it, it seems like a lot of laws and rituals that don't have a lot of uh, connection to us today. But I think what's important for us to understand um, is pointed out in the the first verse of Leviticus and the first verse of the next book, Numbers. And so Leviticus 1.1 says, The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, and he goes on to say what God said, but uh, positionally, it's important to understand that um, Moses is outside the tent and, and God is inside the tent. There's this separation between the the two of them. And that can really be zoomed out to the separation because of the fall in Genesis, the separation from man and God and, and between Israel and God. And it's because of man's sin. Like God is God is so good and God is so holy and other than and perfect that he can't exist around sin. And that's because God's presence is uh, simultaneously both really, really good. Like, it's good to be around God. He's the creator of the universe. He loves us deeply. It's good to be in relationship 
with him. But while it's good, it's also really dangerous. Like think of the power that exists in God's presence. He's spoken, everything came into existence. Like he's, by definition, he's holy. He's other than, he's set apart. He's different than the rest of creation because he is God. He's, he, he, he's above us. If he was like us, he wouldn't be God because we could all be gods ourselves. So by definition, God is different and other than. And so while his presence is really, really good, it's so sweet to know and commune and be with God. Uh, while that is the case, it's also really dangerous. The example the Bible Project gives is the sun. Like the sun is a really good thing. It sheds light. It gives warmth. There's all sorts of things for our environment. But if you get too close to it, because there, it's just like unbridled, raw power and goodness, you're going to get fried. And so that's kind of how God's presence is. Um, it's good. It's 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 beneficial for us. But if we get too close, and we're going to find in Leviticus, in the wrong state, uh, it's not helpful for us. And so God's presence is, again, simultaneously good, but dangerous. And so Moses is outside of the tent of meeting. God's speaking to him uh, from where he dwelled inside the tent. And and then the book of Leviticus happens. That happens in uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And then we get the book of Leviticus, which again, uh, at its core, is, is really hopeful for us because it points to a, a future reality and a greater hope than they experienced um, in their state of separation from God. But because of the nature of what it is, it's really boring. And so it can be broken down into uh, kind of three distinct categories of what God is revealing uh, to the people of Israel about about how he's making a way that they don't have to be disconnected because of the sin in their life. And so the first section kind of goes, uh, talks about rituals and sacrifices, and those are broken into kind of two distinct things. Like there's sacrifices that are like, thank you so much for who you are and what you're doing, God. We're so thankful. Like we want to pour honor and glory and praise on you because you're so holy, you're so other than and the other type of sacrifices is, are the I'm sorry sacrifices. Like you are God of the universe and I've disobeyed you. I've gone against your holy and perfect standard. And so like I, I need forgiveness in my life. And then it talks about the priesthood. And and because God is so holy and so other than uh, we needed mediators to go between um God and Israel, and so this priesthood was established um, so they could uh, follow a stricter set of standards. They were raised, uh, their bar was raised a little bit in how they were asked to live and conduct themselves, but they were a go-between um, on behalf of the people of Israel so that they could commune and know and love and be loved by God. And then it talks about, uh, the, the third section talks about purity. And it talks about cleanliness and uncleanliness and purity and impurity. And, and um, it, we needed to be pure to be in God's presence. But because of the sin in our lives, we couldn't um, we couldn't go before that. Like there were things that would make you ritually unpure that we just you just can't waltz into God's presence um, with that ritual impurity. And what's important to remember is that it's not sinful or inherently wrong to be ritually impure. Like if you if you touched uh, something that would make you impure, that's not necessarily wrong. God doesn't hate you. 
Uh, in fact, what I find as we dig into Leviticus are a lot of these laws are for our own good because if you were to be ritually unpure and waltz into God's presence, uh, that would be your demise. Like you would die because of the holiness that is God. Like it's really good, but his presence is also really dangerous. And so uh, this standard of purity was set up to rum, and a lot of it had to do with like what is life and what is death because God is wanting to point the people of Israel and God is wanting to point us towards life. And so uh, it's it's really understanding what it means to be ritually pure so that we can be reminded that we need our hearts need to be made pure before we go to God, because we need to remember who we are in our relationship um, with God. And so it, the whole the whole book is kind of wrapped up in this idea of, of purity and, and um, making sure that we remember that God is holy, that God's presence is good, but it's also dangerous. And so we need to be careful on how we approach God's presence. Like we can't just we can't just barge into God's presence uh, again without being made pure. And I think if you're picking up on some of these themes, it points towards the person of Jesus and how uh, when we put our faith and our trust in Him, we're made pure. We're made blameless. Um, we're made righteous because of the righteousness of Jesus. And so we get to go before the throne of God confidently because of what Jesus did for us, making us pure, taking away our sins. And so uh, there's another section that's kind of wedged in the middle that talks about uh, the Day of Atonement. And, and one, uh, there'd be two goats and one goat would be sacrificed and the other goat uh, would have the sins of the community put on it and it'd be cast out. And again, pointing towards... Uh, Obviously, if you're living, there might be someone in the community of Israel that either uh, just inadvertently becomes ritually impure or, uh, or does it willfully and doesn't, uh, doesn't take care of it. And so it's this idea of God wanting to make a people, uh, have a people and reign in their midst. And, um, and so he wanted to deal with their sins as a whole. And so, uh, again, it seemed like this idea of animal sacrifices seems so strange to us in 2020. But if you look at the historical context, like sacrifices were something that happened on a regular basis by people worshiping uh, their gods. And and a lot of times it was human sacrifices, and the the and then when it was animal sacrifices, the thing about all these ancient gods is they they were fickle, and you never knew if your sacrifice was going to uh going to appease their wrath or their anger or whatever was being kind of called up against you. Um, you never knew if the sacrifice was going to be enough, and so the the book of Leviticus is pointing towards like. God is co-opting what was in the culture around them, saying, okay, we'll continue with sacrifices, but you can be confident that when you make the sacrifice that you are made right before my eyes, that you are made uh, you are made pure, like you can know me and be in relationship with me. And it's this idea of God working with this people in this ancient culture, saying, I'm going to take what you know, I'm going to take you somewhere better, because I'm the creator of the universe, and, and I want to work in you, and I want to work through you. And so we get this uh, this book of Leviticus, again, 
it, it, it can be dry. It can be tough to get through. Um, but like we talked about in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. And then you have the book of Leviticus that lays out these things. And, and then we turn to the next book, which we'll get to next week. But I want to read uh, verse 1. And it says, the Lord spoke to Moses. This is Numbers chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the tent of meeting. And so we see that Moses has transitioned, like God has made a way to positionally be brought back into right relationship with himself through the book of Leviticus. So yes, in 2020, it's dry. It's confusing because it deals with a lot of stuff that because of the new covenant, we don't have to deal with anymore. But it points to a picture of God making a way for his people to dwell in his presence and, and and points to a future hope of the sacrifice of Jesus that's going to be made on our behalf so that we can fully, freely, and forever be brought back into right relationship with him. So I hope that as you engage with Leviticus this week and as you dig into your Bible, I hope that you understand uh, with a little bit broader of a a stroke how important Leviticus is for us, how important the portions of Scripture are for us that are like really dry, because a lot of times they point to something that we can experience that's far greater than we can ever ask and encourage.